know, I think yodeling gets a bad rap. Yodeling. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, it's a very specific vocal uh, delivery that's not for everybody. I don't know. People, uh, people love that Walmart kid, right? It drove the early days of country music. So it does drive the early days of country. And now you know. I mean, I don't listen to a lot of yodeling music, but to find it as sort of like as a pesticide against aliens seems a little redneck scatting, right? Is that? Yeah, it's, it's it is redneck scatting. I think that's a good way of thinking of it. So. I would pause it, and maybe you know, hear me out. Hear me out. These okay. aliens are nasty little turkeys, aren't they? They're they're a bunch of little turds. <laughs> alone a bunch of dennis dennis the menaces uh, <laughs> with and, genocide and, and but and maybe yodeling is just too toe, too pure it's too pure for their evil little brains to comprehend is that I what think, we're gonna go with I think that's it. But, yeah that's that's the canon uh, answer for me i would have assumed okay. it was a frequency thing but i like purity <laughs> I, I, I like purity as but well to reinforce an idea of the mid-90s <laughs> oh no it really does, you know. Every day, every movie I watch from the '90s, I become more and more sure about my thesis that the '90s were the '50s. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I are you referring to the representation of Jim Brown and Pam Grier in this film? What? Oh, damn! No. Well, I don't think it's that bad. Come on. Okay. Is, is it that? Ooh, I guess we'll have it's, to talk about that. It's it's kind of bad. I don't know. I feel like uh, Jim Brown's like the heart of this movie. Yeah, uh, he is. Except for well, all right. He's not. Magical, I don't know. So I, I think we're. I, I think about Pam Greer getting off the bus, scolding her children, and throwing them back on, and getting applauded for being an angry black mother. I thought it ruled. I liked that the whole yeah. bus cheered for her getting her rowdy kids. I yeah. thought it was fun too, but I also thought it was a stereotype and a caricature. Okay, um, that's fair. I, I don't know. Well, look now. Now we've done. We've already started doing what we came here to do, and that's to talk seriously about Mars Attacks. That's fair. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genrecast. We gather around a table and we discuss the films you will never discuss in a film studies course, and that is definitely the case this week as we look at Tim Burton's nineteen mid nineties. I don't forget the year, and I don't even care. Mars Attacks. Look it up. Uh, We'll be talking about that movie with uh, us, your illustrious co-hosts. I am still Dustin. 96. 96. Thank you. And What's the man? <laughs> Arthur. Yeah, that's right. The man with the facts is Arthur Gordon. Uh, and the man with the nonsense, that's me. I'm Dalton. Hello. And the man who just makes stuff up, that's me. I'm Dustin. Um, in case you're watching for level. the first time, I'm also going to warn you about spoilers. We are going to spoil the ending of this film. We may have done it already, but we're going to try <laughs> not to. As we continue uh, by giving you the briefs of reprieves, if you have not seen this nearly 30-year-old film, um, and if that is the case, uh, we'll uh, have a synopsis, which will be spoiler-free, we'll have uh, reviews, which are real spoiler light, and then we'll get into uh, expanding the syllabus, which is going to be very spoiler-general and gen- gentle, and then finally we'll get down to business. There'll be music to let you know that all spoiler bets are off, and we will find out whether or not um, the aliens will be defeated if we can build the system to travel to uh, places beyond the stars or not. Uh, you'll find out about all of that, uh, if it's even happening or not, uh, by the end of the film. So, um, there you go. I'm done. Arthur, let's hear a synopsis. What do you say? The whole world waits in wonder as visitors from Mars make contact. But are they here for peace? Or do they plan to destroy all humans? Ah, 
Yes, the correct. That is the. Are you question. quoting one of the aliens? <laughs> I mean, the ability to do space alien uh, dialogue is great. Uh, I love. I love that they all do the Kathy sound. I think it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's okay. Uh, it's let's review what we think about the movie. What is our experience watching it? Um, I I believe we've all seen it before. Yes. Yes. Yeah, okay. I'd seen it just the one time previous, maybe bits and pieces when I was younger. But I, the, the only like start to finish watch I remember is uh, from about ooh, 10 to 12 years ago or so. OK, well, you're the closest thing to a virgin watcher then, Dalton. You're going to get to go first. Go. What do you think of Mars Attacks? You know, I really used to not like this movie. Um, I, I watched it for the, the you know, I, I saw bits and pieces of it as a kid and I think it freaked me out a little bit too much. Um, I, I watched it for the first time all the way through uh, when I was probably 18, 19, somewhere in that neck of the woods. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't care for it, but I really came around on it on this view. It, this is a wacky movie. Um, I, if this movie were made today, it would uh, it would 1000 percent be a Netflix movie. And I, I do mean that as a compliment, actually. Um, sometimes the B stuff on, on Netflix is very enjoyable. Uh, and I think because of this is such a, a big ensemble cast, a director doing whatever they kind of want in a way that's not particularly commercial. Um, I, I think this would 1000% be a Netflix movie because they're the only people that are letting directors do weird uncommercial stuff, uh, right now. It's, as much as I like to bag on them for their stuff looking cheap most of the time, um, I, I think they do get that right. And uh, I, I like this movie. It's weird. Um, Sarah Jessica Parker ends up with the body of a chihuahua. I know that we're not supposed to spoil things, but how can I not tell you that that happens? In this movie? <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I don't, yeah, just the, the costumes and production design are just so cohesive. This movie's is, you know, and, and I'm not the biggest Tim Burton fan in the world, but I, I you got to give credit where credit is due. He does have a pretty specific aesthetic in most of his films and that there's a, a an interesting through line throughout his career but th- this film really does know what it wants to look like um and it's very funny i, I the, the just continual refusal of people to accept that the aliens are bad is so funny to me um <laughs> they, they just and the, the the way in which they're kind of impish little turkeys is so, <laughs> so funny it just it rules the, the what little characterization we get of the aliens is really really funny to me and and everybody shows up to play. You know, it seems like everybody in this movie is pretty excited to be a part of it. Um, everybody knows what they're doing. Danny DeVito shows up for like two and a half scenes uh, because why not? I and that that's sort of the gist of this movie. Why not? Mm-hmm. Why does Jack Nicholson play two characters? Not why important. Not? <laughs> why not? not? Yeah, exactly. You know what he said? Did you you got you guys want to know the genesis of playing two characters? No, I mean I do want to know. I don't know. The story that I heard is uh, he gets the script and uh, they say, who do you want to be? And he says, I want to be everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so he wanted to be everybody. He loved, he loved the script, apparently. So he got to, <laughs> he got to pick two parts. Oh, I love it. That's oh. so great. What a He's weird one. Too. It's the He's... closest he got to doing a Roger Corman movie in 30 years. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, Arthur. Yeah. Getting to go back to his roots a little bit. Um, yeah, uh, there's a lot of great bits in this movie, uh, and, and that's sort of what it lives and dies on is its good bits, uh, when it's the funniest. When this movie is 
not at its best is in the kind of the, the waning moments of the second act where the, it becomes a disaster movie a little bit too much for my taste. Mm-hmm. It goes, the, the montage of explosions goes on a little bit too long considering Burton's not the most adept action director in the world. Uh, you know, th- this movie's lunch got absolutely eaten uh, by um, Independence Day uh, who just beat it up and took all of its milk money. Um and it makes sense, you know, say what you will about Roland Emmerich, but the dude knows how to shoot an explosion. Mm-hmm. And right. uh, as far as aliens blowing shit up, uh, Independence Day has got it a little bit better than Mars Attacks does, mm-hmm. unfortunately. This is a better movie than Independence Day, with, without yeah. doubt. But <laughs> Independence Day is a little bit finer at the action. You know, it knows... It knows how to photograph that in a way that's fascinating, uh, just a little bit better. Here, I feel like it's a little lacking, and maybe it's just because I uh, the pace of those uh, explosion scenes uh, didn't really work for me. But uh, yeah, I, I really checked out for a chunk of this movie when it, it did just become about uh, depicting the invasion as it's happening. But uh, I definitely came back around uh, in the end. Uh, for uh, when when the yodeling shows up, I'm I'm absolutely there for. It. Especially when the mech shows up, there's a mech in this. Yeah. Aliens have a mech. Come on, what's not to like? Uh, it's weird that this movie's based on a trading card. Very funny. Um, yeah, it's a good movie. Uh, check it out if you haven't seen it. I think there's a lot to like. It's it's streaming easily right now. Um, it's just great. It ends up being about a sweet kid who loves his grandma. And what's not to like about that? It goes out on Tom Jones singing with animals. Come on. You got to check this movie out. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what is your reaction to Mars Attacks? You picked this movie. Why would you do such a thing? Because I pick all of the movies. I think well, that um, I, I think it's a perfect movie in that it does everything that it sets out to do in in a way that it means to do it. Um, And so I I think that, you know, obviously it's a great nod uh, to the campy B movies of Ed Wood at all, um, who is very close, I think near and dear to Tim Burton's heart. Uh, It is on one hand, uh, maybe the least Tim Burton-y of all movies, movies, but it's also on another hand, very much a Tim Burton film. Uh, which is a fun place for it, especially in 96. Um, it's kind of drastically different to, to the things he'd been doing up to that point. Um, the cast is just incredible. Dalton's already alluded to it. They're all having a blast. Um, everybody here is fun. No matter how much screen time they get, it feels like they're all trying to steal it for themselves. And I think that's a, just a fun energy. Uh, Dustin last week was trying to parallel uh, don't look up with melancholia, but I think this is probably the closer parallel to that movie. Yeah. Um, uh, with, with this ensemble and the kind of the messaging, the way everything plays out. I haven't seen don't look up, but I, I've kind of picked up enough to know, uh, you know what it's about and how it plays. And it feels like this is probably a closer dialogue uh, than even melancholia, which is really interesting. Um, but I think it's a lot of fun. I, 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 I kind of, enjoy it the more i've seen it i've seen it a few times now throughout the years uh i remember when it first came out my mom was super excited because she loved old campy b movies uh and so it really was something near and dear to her i think um but i didn't have a strong affinity for it but you know in the times i've seen it since then it kind of grows on me i think each time i watch it um and and i think it is just a lot of fun i love the production design uh when lisa marie walks in uh to the white house with Martin Short, uh, that whole bit 
is just some great physical comedy uh, mm. as, with her as spoiler the alien in disguise if you couldn't figure that out what with her stilted movement and ripped up cheek uh but she does a great job the alien design is obviously going back to those tops cards but i mean they're just so cool you know they they are kind of everything you think of when you think of martians attacking but um they just they just look really fun i i, I like the design i like the production design uh, the more you watch this the more you pay attention there's so many gags happening in the background especially on the alien ships mm-hmm. um there's just so many little sight gags or moments uh taking place um that aren't centralized or focused on they're just happen to be in the side of the frame or in the back of the frame um and even that uh kind of montage of attacks like where it looks like uh, the spaceships are dropping in on string and stuff like that like those little moments those little touches i think really make this uh stand up and, and what i appreciate about this movie is it is intentionally quote-unquote bad um as an homage to those campy films of, of yesteryear but it doesn't feel like jab you in the ribs with its elbow look at us making a bad movie for being bad like Sharknado does and all of those mm-hmm. kind of sci-fi films that really launched after Sharknado of haha we're making bad movies don't you love like there's this thing when we right. think about The Room which is a bad movie unintentionally right I mean that was a movie that kind of comes about and it's just bad and there's a charm to that but when you try to emulate that and replicate that with like a wink wink nudge nudge uh it usually goes pretty wrong but i think the spirit of this and the heart of this keep it from feeling like you know intentionally baking a bad movie i I think it is very intentionally a love letter to a a bygone era And, and i think that shows through the production design because all of the technology that our scientists are using look like they came out of the 50s there's a very 50s flair to all of the the design and, and everything going on and so i think it's a, i think it's a great movie i think it's an easy watch and i think it's uh, worth your time definitely all righty well thank you very much for that mr arthur gordon i like it i think it's an absolute delight because it just delights in being so bad and i think it very much is an auteur film not because of style um in the same way that you might say, you know, that sort of peachy pink alongside blue sort of color palette that uh, informs so much of Tim Burton's other works, uh, all the way from Batsmen uh, to uh, Sleepy Hollows to, you know, various uh, animated skeleton creatures um, that he's got some influence on. Um, it's because it's his, uh, it's his rogues gallery of actors. This is everybody who's worked with him in the 80s and the 90s. Uh, in anything, uh, I mean, with the exception of Michael Keaton, I don't know why Michael Keaton didn't come along. And Johnny, and, Johnny's not here. Yeah, Johnny's not. Well, is he working with Johnny yet, though? Yeah, he did Edward Scissorhands in '91. Oh, I guess he already did Edward Scissorhands. That's right. I've forgotten about Edward. Um, and so, yeah, no Winona. Uh, although it does seem like Natalie Portman is our Winona Ryder stand-in. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 kind of like just people he's worked with a lot, yeah. uh, and they're all his friends and. It really does feel like uh, this get-together, let's do something fun. Do you remember these movies? They were a blast, weren't they? Let's do one of them. And we'll make a movie adaptation of an unlikely intellectual property. Um, later on, Hollywood will make a big deal out of doing this with you know rides about pirates. Um, but right now, doing this with the Tops cards 
um, mm-hmm. trading card property is just a brilliant idea and sort of shows that the, that visual iconography of uh, Mars Attacks, there could be a way you could string it together in some kind of a narrative, but you have to not take it too seriously. And mm. I love that about it. And so it's a lot of fun, and I dig it a lot. So you know, are great. Everything's great. The CGI sucks, but I don't care. My official opinion, I just don't care. That's sort of uh, sort of part of the charm, honestly. Yeah. 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 I think that's a feature, not a bug. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Um, Man, I... Michael Keaton would have been perfect in this movie. I, I wonder if there was just maybe a scheduling thing or if he even was approached for it, but because it definitely felt, I mean, he's so good at comedy anyway. Yeah. I mean, man, yeah, he would have been good here. Yeah. I would have loved to seen him do something here. Uh, yeah. it, and Michael J. Fox's role even would have been great. Yeah. That's what but... I'm thinking. Or I mean, even the Pierce Brosnan thing, I think he could pull off kind of that. Mm. He's not as, you know, obviously debonair as, as Pierce Brosnan, but he could still manage to, to do that. I think, especially in 96. Yeah, there's another number of options. Well, and he could have been the second Jack Nicholson character, the casino owner. I mean, yeah, very easily, or the president for that matter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, know. you, you could slot him in, and he'd be—he's just so good. Or just give half the scenes of both roles to both actors and not tell us. Um, that would have been fun too. They just switch him out back and forth. Right. Yeah, that, and means, just... that would be perfect. <laughs> with with no explanation. That would be good. That would be good. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Because uh, Batman really is the Joker. Oh, there's, some, there's something meta going on there now. Oh, gosh. All right. Well, there you go, dear listener. Uh, those are our initial thoughts on uh, the film Mars Attack. We're now going to move on into a little exercise we like to call Expanding the Syllabus. Arthur, can you explain what Expanding the Syllabus is all about? Expanding the Syllabus is a thought experiment wherein we, the hosts, assemble an academic course or module within a course based around the assigned viewing for the week and adjacent text from books and articles to tangentially related films and stories. Correct. And so with that, I go to you first. Dalton, what is your syllabus looking like uh, regarding uh, using something as a starting point with Mars Attacks? We are going to be looking at films that explore the idea of first contact. Um, which I, I, I think there's a lot of different ways to explore that idea. And I think we've got a slate of films here that do so interestingly. Um, but it's not all aliens. I do want to talk about uh, first contacts uh, as they have occurred uh, in, in our own history. Uh, we definitely want to look at the Terrence Malick film, The New World, which I haven't actually seen, but is sort of the, the film that most came to mind is sort of films depicting first contact between Europeans and indigenous Americans. Um, I, I'm sure there's other ones. I don't, I don't know if The New World is good. I don't, I don't know, honestly, what its reputation is as far as how well it, it does uh, depicting um, those events. I believe his reputation is that it's a Terrence Malick film. That's sort of my understanding. Um, yes, which, that's the entire so, reputation. Yeah, um, but we'd look at that. You know, I'm sure I do. If, if uh, we were actually doing this class, I would probably do some more research and try to find at least one more movie uh, that deals with uh, you know indigenous contact with colonizers. Um, we definitely look at a little bit of a people's history of uh, the United States, so we could. Uh, crack open uh, that nutshell a little bit further. Uh, but we'd definitely be looking at some more science fiction films as well. We'd look at Close Encounters of the Third Kind, uh, the, uh, the Steven Spielberg film. We'd look at Solaris. We'd look at Mars Attacks, uh, Contemporary Independence Day, and we'd look at Arrival. And I think with all of these films, uh, we would compare and contrast sort of the different things, ideas being presented, right? We have hostile aliens. We have 
uh, aliens that uh, want to teach us. We have and and foster co cooperative relationship. We have aliens that we can't even begin to understand in Solaris and Close Encounters. Um, we're just barely scratching the surface with with our ability to to contact. Um, and, and I, I think uh, we we could again go to uh, our own history to look at which of these do we find the most realistic. Uh, of course, Stephen Hawking's got his famous quote. Uh, about how first contact with uh, aliens would probably go. He posits not well. Uh, and we definitely have to consider those questions in this class. You know, the thought experiment stands whether or not you believe in extraterrestrial life um, is sort of irrelevant to the thought experiment of it um, and, and wondering how that would go. But I think all these stories give us some interesting questions to ponder and they, they give us interesting, uh, you know, examples to compare and contrast against each other, uh, especially, you know, arrival and, and close encounters. There's a lot of overlap there, but there's a lot of differences. Uh, and then the Mars attacks and Independence Day, of course, sharing so much uh, with these unknowable uh, hostile killers uh, that, that come to our planet. Um, again, a lot, lots of different options here. And there's probably uh, some some first contact classics that I missed. Oh, yeah, obviously the film Contact, um, right. which I haven't <laughs> caught up with, unfortunately. But yeah, let's throw that one on the list because I, I definitely, I, I, I'm aware of the line, uh, they should have sent a poet, uh, which is Jodie Foster, Foster's line when she, she makes Contact. I think that's a pretty fun idea. Um, sort of the the spiritual experience of uh, meeting uh, intelligent life separate from ourselves. Uh, I think that's pretty, a pretty sick idea and uh, a, a interesting one to explore and consider as, as we look at these different ideas of first contact. Very cool. Very cool. I love that idea. And I think that is a fun uh, way to explore the topics found in Mars attack. Uh, what do you say, Arthur, what is your syllabus looking like? Um, I, I think we would take this from, uh, I mean, essentially be a tour study. I don't know what kind of class we'd put that in, um, but we'd we'd probably talk a bit about Sarah's. We'd talk a bit about the history of the O'Tour, uh, and primarily um, focusing on that because I think for many people, um, Tim Burton is the layman's O'Tour. He is the, you know, whether you're a film nerd or not, whether you've really understand those concepts. Uh, common moviegoers easily understand that Tim Burton's style and look is cohesive. And there's this through line uh, through his work that resonates, I think, with audiences. And and so they may not have that vocabulary or that understanding, but I think for me, I mean, for me, even, you know, Tim Burton was really kind of that first dive into realizing that a filmmaker, um, especially maybe of a certain status, um, does have a cohesive look and voice. And when you see something, you can identify it as a product of their work. Um, now we will obviously want to mess up and discuss the auteur theory and kind of, you know, clog it up a little bit because there are issues with it. Uh-huh. But obviously Tim Burton is a guy um, who has a very distinct visual style and um, some very distinct through lines through his work. And, and so I think for the purposes of this class, uh, we'd read a couple of articles and, and I really do think that everything on his filmography up to 99 is definitely on the docket to at least discuss, if not watch. Now we would probably start with some of his shorts. Obviously he gets to start kind of as a graphic designer artist at Disney. 
Right. Personal experience with him and, and probably where we'd start is the, the Frankenweenie live action short. Um, I, I very kind of clearly remember that uh, from childhood. I think it was on a VHS of something else. Um, but I, I very distinctly remember that short film. Um, and so that's probably where we would, would kind of begin to look at this. Uh, from there, uh, we would get into uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Um, and, and that's the one where we we first, I think, see, maybe even with Frank and Weenie a little, uh, but we see that affinity for the outsider, for, for the the weirdo, which I think is a through line uh, through his work as well. Um and probably the stand-in, his his kind of auteur avatar uh, through the works. Um, so so we would start there. Uh, I think Pee Wee's Big Adventure and that character. There's probably a natural affinity there. Burton really does uh, have an appreciation for uh, Doctor Seuss and Roald Dahl, uh, and, and so I think there's some of that DNA in Pee Wee as well, and that kind of absurdist cartoon character brought to life. Mm. Um, so we study that. Look at that from there. We got to talk about Beetlejuice. Uh, we got to talk about Michael Keaton. We got to talk about Winona Ryder, that working collaboration, uh, kind of one of those tenets uh, of an auteur outside of visual style is those kind of working relationships and collaborations that they have with different filmmaker, artists, creators at all. Um, and we'd also have to talk about Danny Elfman, who does a lot of the scoring on Burton's filmography, except for just a couple of titles. Uh, and all those relationships are being built very early on at the start of his career, his feature film career. Um, then we've got to talk about Batman, obviously, uh, for a number of reasons, I think. Uh, we're going to look at we're going to look at Scissorhands. Uh, we may not do Batman Returns if we do Batman. Um, we may. I'm not sure if I offer. Then we're going to get to Ed Wood, uh, which is kind of deemed his first, I guess, serious masterpiece, quote unquote. Uh, he right. gets the Academy acclaim for that. Gets a couple of Oscar nominations. I think a win for, uh, um, oh goodness, what's his name? Can't oh, name? Uh, I see his face right now. I want to say Alan Alda, but that's not right. No. Oh, Lando, Martin, Martin Lando. Lando. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we would get there, get Ed Wood, and, and that's going to kickstart this conversation of that kind of love of the B movie which takes us to Mars Attacks, which I think is kind of the pairing there uh, naturally. Then we're going to look at Sleepy Hollow. Again, that continued working relationship with Johnny Depp. Um, and then from there, we're going to skip to Big Fish, I think, which uh, feels, I think, in many ways is his magnum opus. Um, it's a very, I think, personal film, very um, magical film, a very heartfelt, endearing film. I, I think it is probably his best work. Um from start to finish and i think uh it's it's key uh probably to understanding a lot of him and his his reasonings and ideas and stuff um we probably take a look at corpse bride but in conjunction with nightmare on uh nightmare before christmas and um james and the giant peach only one of those three were directed by burton but they all three share that visual style he's a producer on uh, nightmare and J uh, james and the giant peach uh, but he's only directing uh, corpse bride so i think that's fun and then we would probably yeah, kind of move through. He starts working again with Disney, obviously, uh, with uh, Alice in Wonderland. And then he gets to do his big feature, uh, CGI Frankenweenie, which is a very sweet film as well. Uh, and, and then I think I'd take it out on Dark Shadows. Uh, that was a movie yeah. that I really came around in on the second time. Um, because, again, it, it kind of echoes Mars Attacks. It really is a love letter 
to a certain type of storytelling and style of storytelling. Uh, and I think everybody there is doing a great job. And I really appreciated that on a second watch. Um, and so we'd probably look at that and, and maybe close out there um, for purposes of this section, course, study, whatever we're doing with it. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Uh, again, in a related kind of way, I think I would use Mars Attacks as kind of a culmination of maybe like a film history kind of course and yeah. looking at sort of the historical development of a genre and uh, perhaps spending a lot of time in the 50s as kind of a heyday moment uh, for uh, science fiction genre. I might look at the 1930s and the 1980s uh, as sort of heyday moments for the horror genre. You look at the 40s and the 50s as a heyday moment for uh, crime films, um, loosely grouped in that thing called film noir as well. Uh, then the 50s and 60s for the uh, the Western uh, would be a possibility there. And so sort of thinking about decades and periods might be a thing to do uh, with, again, the sort of heavy 50s and 60s kind of emphasis uh, with uh, the B science fiction film, uh, which is, you know, replete throughout. Uh, first thing I think I would talk about are just the, 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 full, the, the, the sort of slapdash, just ridiculous, we don't care um, kind of silliness that uh, takes place in these kind of films. And so Mars Attacks, I think, pairs very well uh, in that case uh, with uh, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians uh, from 1962. I don't know if you've seen this movie. Um, it is a delight. Uh, and it is as bananas as it sounds. Um, aliens are coming and Santa's got to fight them. And that is all you need to know. Uh, and a good time is had by all. I think then looking at sort of the oh aesthetic palette of science fiction uh from this time period uh might be another interesting avenue into that and so i would recommend looking at uh planet of the vampires mario bava and also forbidden planet uh both films super super influential in terms of aesthetics uh with science fiction and one of them features robbie the robot uh, who we haven't seen since invisible boy and so it's nice to see that recurring character uh, in MGM's sort of uh, stable of possibilities in science fiction. Uh, then I think thinking about special effects films in the 1950s, uh, Angry Red Planet with uh, forced perspective photography and gigantic ants is interesting. And then also the 1958 film The Blob, uh, right. which is, again, lots of fun and uh, very, very bad, but lots of fun. Uh, to watch there. And then uh, thinking about the sort of optimism versus pessimism at Alien Invasion, which sort of ties into some of the things that Dalton was suggesting. Uh, I think The Day the Earth Stood Still and War of the Worlds. Uh, Mars Attacks is definitely much more War of the Worlds than uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still, but I, I think we can sort of see where that 50s tension was in uh, thinking about these various films uh, in those contexts. And so uh, that'd be a pretty long module there on that particular genre. But again, I'm only picking like five, maybe six for a 16-week course. So you could live with one for a few weeks before you moved on to a next one and, uh, you know, beat that dog dead uh, or horse dead or whatever animal. Uh, alien, we'll say alien dead. Uh, that little Martian uh, brain sticking out of his skull uh, to death uh, looking at those uh, films there. So there you go, dear listener. Your syllabus just got much, much longer. I do believe now it is time to get down to business. 
Right, you're listening. That business is, as always, analysis. Um, there's a lot going on in this movie. Uh, first of all, it is thoroughly postmodern because nostalgia. I don't know if we have to say more than that, but yeah, yeah, we've kind of hit on it. I mean, all the illusions, what it's doing uh, aesthetically, visually, story wise, you know, it is that love letter, and I yeah. think it plays very sincerely as homage. For sure, for sure, and it is, it is the uh, yeah, the dedicated reverent. Uh, sort of use, not the parodic uh, yeah. use of that kind of stuff. So yeah. I have nothing more to say about it than that. Um, let's talk about the conservative versus the liberal view <laughs> of the aliens, shall we? Yeah, nuke them, nuke them all. Yeah, kill them all. Let's go Patton with them, or let's go Pierce Brosnan, uh, which is uh, well, obviously, if they're intelligent beings, then they won't be um, right. warlike, yeah. right? Um. And I, I do love how the movie takes that original idea to task, that there's a lot of assumptions there. But mm-hmm. um, also, I tend to uh, prefer, aesthetically, science fiction films that do a sort of a, uh, assume peaceful exploration. Yeah. So, I don't but know. There's no humor there, right? No. If these aliens were peaceful, the joke's dead. So... I think uh, for the purposes of the script, we got to get violent. But I, I, I did think a lot about that kind of political ideology between the general who's constantly wanting to nuke him and who's not wrong, right? I mean, he's, yeah. he's the only one with his finger on the pulse, knows not to trust these things for whatever. I mean, his intentionality is not there, but they probably should have listened to him. I don't know. I don't know, yeah. which is a, I mean, problematic, I think, in and of itself, maybe. Well, the movie does fail to go ahead and side with him, which is interesting. First of all, they do send the nukes, and they've got the nukes fart swallower. So, um, so stinking funny. One of, my favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite gags in the movie. It's so funny to reduce our, our most mighty weapon to a fart. Holy <laughs> shit. That's <laughs> great. Yeah, that's great. But, the, but what I, ends up defeating the aliens is a boy's love for his grandma. And her favorite kitschy music. So I, I do very, think very there's tempered. a slight subversion of some of that. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's very, it's a very Tim Burton choice, right? To to have yeah. it be a, sort of a, a peaceful victory, even though it is still involved exploding their heads. Um, yeah, I mean, this is why I thought about Arrival, right? As a, as a film to, yeah. to kind of compare and contrast mm-hmm. with, right? Because it does so oppositely posit the, the the peaceful aliens and and you know the 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 war makers are very much the antagonists of that film um but it's it's such a good arthur's right you know there's no joke there if pierce brosnan's pierce brosnan is right uh it's so right. good one of my favorite gags is uh nicholson being on the phone with the french ambassador he's like bud get yeah. out maurice, of there no that's what <laughs> maurice, maurice. Get out of there! <laughs> so good. It's it's oh, yeah. just so funny to to have the the general be right to some extent, right? Like that's and maybe that's what it is that that makes it work because I don't think there's any real you know deep analysis going on. And unfortunately, uh, I, I think it really does just come down to it's funny for the character that's never right in movies to get to be right, and I, I think yeah. it really does just kind of come down to that. 
Well, that in the comedy movie is the sort of fish out of water, you know. It's Larry the Martian trying to figure out how to date, you know, which yeah, is also funny, but a, a very different movie. Yeah. I kind of want that movie, though, now. Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> it is Crocodile Dundee. Yeah, I smell sure. a ray gun. This is a ray gun. <laughs> It is interesting. Uh, we, we get a pretty common science fiction trope here, or at least uh, f- a trope familiar to uh, American films. It's this idea is the U.S. as world ambassador uh, in uh, alien movies sort of uh, rears its head here. I, I don't know if there's much to say about it. I mean, it's not surprising considering this is a Hollywood production, but it is an interesting trope that occurs throughout uh, science fiction. Yeah, absolutely. They come to us. And uh, we're going to be the ones who are the primary movers and shakers in dealing with that. That is always the assumption. Um, I really do hope that when aliens visit us, they visit first to Bangladesh. Literally anywhere but here. Anywhere, yeah. That was yeah. That's the that's the or or like on one of the poles and they're just like hanging out with penguins or something. I don't know. (laughs) Great, great. Yeah, like those are great representatives of this 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 uh, planet. Well, that or the the Star Trek Four thing, right? They're looking for the whales. Space whales. Yeah, you know. They they want to talk to the uh, the aquatic mammals, the, the intelligent species on the planet. You know exactly, <laughs> exactly. Oh, um, it, there, there's sort of an interesting. I don't know if there's anything here, uh, but but it's interesting that the the IP movie has been around a lot longer than we we ever like to think about. Um, obviously, we don't have market saturation uh, back in the '90s like we do end up no. with in the 2010s. But it's it's still interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, um, even the, I mean. I think doing Clue in the '80s is even a bit, you know. Oh, right on! More yeah, oddball. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, Batman itself, right, is an IP movie. Yeah, uh, exactly. And Superman, but yeah, I, I think the more, I guess, niche IPs is, is the more interesting idea. Mm-hmm. We, we kind of saw this attempt to swath of, of board game movies in the aughts with uh, Ouija Battleship. and Battleship. Um, I feel like there may have been another one. But uh, yeah, I think you know it just wasn't as prevalent in the '90s, and I think we've talked about this some in, in, in a post-9/11 world. Cho- choosing not, uh, known quantities was safer for Hollywood executives because there was a built-in audience. Yeah, um, I think in '96 it's a little riskier to be like, "Hey, I'm going to make a movie about those tops cards, or you in or out," you know. <laughs> It's the same thing with Pirates of the Caribbean, which is right on the precipice. It's, it's what, right? Like, I mean, that's 2001, I think. 2003? Is it that? I think it's later. Is it? Because the sequels are like 05. Yeah, you're right. Maybe it is 03. But you're, it's still, you know, it's, it's less than 10. Though, yeah. yeah, less yeah. than 10 years from Mars Attacks. And it's still not a, yeah, a, a common practice at that point. Um, Why can't I just see the first movie? That's all I want. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. 2003. But wow, still, there yeah, we go. my point stands. No matter no, what. No, yeah, absolutely. It's a great point. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think the turn towards more niche IPs is, is interesting. And it really does. Well, I don't know about now with Reddit and Twitter, um, but it really does kind of get away from that idea of there's no original ideas anymore. Uh, when they see something like this, they're like, oh, bars attacks. That's fun. And you're like, did you know it's based on a card game or a trading card? Um, so I don't know. Yeah, but I, that kind of adaptation I, I find to be much more interesting than 
simply adapting one a a narrative property that exists yeah they've heard these stories before again i mean i I love brand new sherlock holmes things but it's not like there's a new sherlock holmes story now dustin you said you had some of the cards (laughs) and i don't know much about the tops the tops cards was there like world building that went in with the cards or were they just kind of like garbage pail kids they were just like really interesting artwork and like what was the do you remember i would say much more like garbage pail kids is that it would be these fascinating images of well i mean i I remember very much being disturbed by a boy's dog being vaporized yeah so uh, was there any like text on any copy on like the yeah panel. there was always like a little bit of a a, a statement that would be like okay. and the invasion begins and a dog is vaporized uh, oh but so it wasn't but it wasn't anything more yeah okay and there, there was description written on the back i don't remember ever reading it yeah but there there was like a little bit of a scene set up yeah that would go on and, and there were these additional these huge insects that the martians used yeah that was among um the sort of tools of their um invasion yeah. Which are not deployed in the film at all, which is kind of too bad. But I do but, know there isn't there. There's some imagery in the film that does come straight from the cards, right? Like the cows, oh, absolutely. The cows Burning on fire. Cows. Yeah, yeah. The uh, so the funny. bunch of uh, flying saucers in the desert. The mech, uh, right? The mech itself, yes. Um, um, uh, the uh, the head chopper offer with Pierce Brosnan that's hmm. directly lifted from one of the cards. I uh, I agree with you though. I I do like this idea of taking a. I, I, essentially blank IP, right? That is just a series of images and putting a story to it. Yeah. And that's something we talked about when we talked about Mario, Super Mario Brothers was that game doesn't have much story. Correct. It was a world built out for the cartoon series that gave a lot more context to them, but we knew they were plumbers and they fought lizards. And the freedom to be able to kind of come up with anything I think is a much more appealing. I mean, at least as a storyteller, I would think that's yeah. the much more draw than just saying, uh, no, uh, he has to have three claws and they have to go snicked when they come out. Right. Like, I don't know. Right. Like having those. Okay. Brands, well, and, I, and I think uh, there's a tendency towards the silly. Yeah. That yeah, yeah, it yeah. automatically invites that, those kinds of properties. It, it is really important that the claws go snicked though, to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> That's very important. Dalton just pushed his glasses all the way into his brain. <laughs> oh, gosh. What if they went like... snuff one time? Like, I hope in the MCU there's like some sound designer just gets pissed off and is just like, nah, not this time. And it's just like shrimped every time the claws come out. I hope it's another twenty. I hope it's another twenty years before I see Wolverine on screen again. But it's probably gonna be twenty months. Yeah, uh, yeah. twenty minutes yourself. is more my bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's not a mutant you hold on to for very long. I get it. No, it's super popular. <laughs> he yeah, is yeah. sort of cool as hell. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's been uh, our Wolverine segment. Uh, <laughs> stay tuned for more talk about Mars attacks. Um, I love the end of this movie. I love the the government maintaining appearances after the absolute decimation of the planet. An absolute government thing to do. Um, dude, 100%, right? To, to right. be like, and here are your medals. <laughs> I'm appointed by Natalie Portman, who is yeah. a first daughter. Uh, everyone is dead. She is now the yeah. leader of the free world at the age of 13. Yeah. Um, well, there's nobody left. I mean, all the Congress already got blown up. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, she, she's there's natural, no one left. The next person. Um, 
It is though. It is the funniest thing. I think you're right. Right. I mean, I feel like it's exactly what I mean. What would happen? Like we'd be like, yeah, and then a lot of people would just go with it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. All right. Things are back to normal. This is all we got. Yeah. It's business is normal now. Well, and I, I, I really couldn't stop thinking about our, you know, our, our current situation. Dustin talked about reader response yeah. theory last week, right? The idea yeah. that, uh, you know, our um, reception or our reaction to a work of art or a piece of media changes uh, based on the time and place in which we're viewing it. Yeah, I, I thought about the pandemic a lot watching this movie. Um, and, and again, I, I think, you know, just like last week's film, Melancholia kind of presents a, a sort of humanistic and optimistic way of looking at uh, cataclysmic events. This way, pre- this film presents us with a way to laugh at sort of catastrophe and, uh, and, and death in, in a way that I think is very, I don't know, a, a very Tim Burton, uh, to mm-hmm. be sure. Uh, but I, I don't know. I think there's something there um, that, that is really useful as far as uh, giving, giving us a way to laugh at the dark. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, are there any other big thoughts on uh, Mars Attacks? It is sort of a, no. a, a thin film as far as uh, analysis goes, isn't it? Yeah, there's not a lot happening inside the, the, the oxygen domes of this film. It's a gag machine. Uh, yeah, there is some gross stuff. D- Dustin, kind of, you took issue, uh, as we discussed already, uh, was... with the characterization of Jim Brown and Pam Greer. I, I, say... I... Oh, go ahead, Arthur. Well, that, that's where I was going to go with it, because there is this kind of you know, charge levied against Burton as, as, you know, casting only white people in his films, not using people of color. Um, but I think there's something probably to that. I think, though, if we look at this and we are frustrated by the presentation, if, you know, he can't write those parts or know, you know, how to utilize people of color in the stories. But, I mean, you know, he's not going to tell stories also that don't speak to maybe a minority experience. I don't know if that expectation is fair, but I do think it is interesting one here. I think Dalton's right. I think Jim Brown and Pam Greer, I think that relationship is the heart of this movie in many ways, but also Burton's the guy that pushed to have Billy D Williams as two face. And he pushed real hard to have the way in as, as the boy wonder, you know, and then the studios kind of, pulled that out um so i, think I had no idea about that interesting i hadn't heard that either yeah that, that's what i've always heard is that he pushed i think for marlin uh to be robin and hmm. I, the studio decided to drop that angle um which that i mean that could just be hearsay i don't know but that that's kind of what i've always heard in regards to that it, i mean the billy d thing's obviously true i mean the sure right. cut, but right. you know I, I think it is interesting that he i think has at times attempted to use his position to establish those norms. But in the 20 years since 30, geez, 30 years since, you know, I don't know that that's really been the case, but I, I think it's an interesting point in his filmography to look at. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember there being some, some uh, takes online uh, when uh, Miss Peregrine's or whatever the, the fantastic yeah. children movie is called. I remember there being some, some takes about Sam Jackson's characterization in that film. So, yeah. you know, th- there's an interesting history at, uh, yeah. both for and against uh, Burton, as far as, you know, yeah. looking at his credentials here. And I'm um, not here to defend Burton. I mean, he's an no, old no, white no. guy at this point, but I mean, I, I, you know, I do wonder if he didn't try some stuff early on and yeah. Yeah. So, and then just sort of like locked into just where he's comfortable. Like I'm, yeah. I'm more comfortable telling stories within my own, yeah. ethnic group anyway yeah i'll just you know 
I don't need to push boundaries there. I'll just tell the kind of stories I want to tell. Well, and that, I, don't that, to, I don't need to be active all the time. That's the yeah, charitable way to think yeah. of it. I think, Planet of, I think well, I was going to say, I think Planet of the Apes is kind of the probably pushback. I think some of the portrayals there are problematic, right? I mean, I think mm-hmm. there's a discussion there. I haven't watched it in so long, but I, I feel like some of those takes are kind of based around maybe portrayals there as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, boundary pushing isn't really his norm, is what I was going to say. It's uh, no. not really, especially of, of late. I mean, He's an imagineer. Really, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, I, you know, and, and really, to me, in, as far as this film goes, I think the grosser stuff is the, the same stuff that um, Independence Day does, right? The depiction of, of the rest of the world is pretty backwards, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Um, in both films. And that's, you know, and again, that's that's a critique you can levy at a lot of science fiction films. It, it goes ties back into that sort of the United States as the world stuff yeah. that we get so often in Hollywood films. Well, going back to your earlier point, I think this is a charge you can leverage at the 1990s. Yeah, yeah. The, show, the, yeah. yeah, that end of history era was very uh, US-centric for a lot of reasons. Right. So, okay. Well, let's render a verdict, shall we, friends? Let's what do we do want it. to do with Mars Attack? Shall we put it in the shelf or in the trash? I go to you first, Dalton. What say you? I, you know, as I said earlier, if this movie were made today, it would be a Netflix film. And I, I think on Netflix is a perfectly good place for this movie to be. It's where I watched it. And uh, yeah, I, I think sh- this is a streamer for sure. Uh, mm. I like it a lot. I mean, I think it is really funny and I, I would probably uh, revisit it at some point. Uh, I definitely uh, I look forward to seeing what gags I missed. Um, we mm. haven't even talked about how their little ticker tape looks like a, a roll of condoms. That's funny. <laughs> so many good bits in this movie. So many good bits in this movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I don't know that you need to own this one. Uh, it, it it is probably lesser Burton at some level. But again, as far as his comedies go, it, it is really strong. I, you know, I might prefer uh, Beetlejuice or Pee Wee's uh, yeah. a little bit more, but th- there's a lot to love here. So yeah. I definitely don't take keeping it as a streamer as too much of a backhanded compliment. I, I do still think there's a lot to love. All right. Well, thank you very much for that. What do you say, uh, Arthur? Uh, Shelf or trash? Um, I, I, you know, I, I did say that I think it it sets out to do everything it does, and I think it does it as as well as it wants to do that. And I think for that way, it is a perfect movie. Uh, to preface this, uh, so I think I would softly and very, very gently though put it in the trash. I think, um, you know, this isn't the movie. If you think Tim Burton, this isn't the one you're going to go to. I think it stands at an interesting place in his filmography as kind of that shifting point. Because, I mean, 85 to 95 Burton couldn't miss, I don't think. Yeah. Um, critically or financially. And this comes as a turning point, I think, for that. Um, and so I think it's an interesting artifact. But I, I don't think you need to go out of your way to get it or see it. So I would very, very gently very very gently like questionably hold my hand above the trash for a few seconds <laughs> deliberating uh put it in the trash i, lo- I love the the, the soul strickenness that you depict there yeah you've really torn, paid, you very much painted a picture of a man <laughs> torn <laughs> um guys i'm gonna say shelf I, I like the aesthetic. I think it's I think it's a great little experiment. I think it's um because it is the weird Burton it mm. should be held on to. Sure. Because it is the sort of like non canonical Burton. And uh and he is such a sort of like to a a very, very specific kind of set of tropes kind of aesthete. Um yeah, I, I think I think it's definitely worth having and it's a laugh a minute. I mean there's gross bits, but I just find it hilarious and I enjoy it. 
every time I watch it. So I am going to go with Shelf for Mars yeah. Attacks. You know, Dustin zigs uh, nine times out of ten when I think he's going to zag on Shelf or Trash. I know what you mean. Yeah, he's kind of yeah. hard to predict. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, he'll, he'll like trash a movie for five minutes in his review and then put it on the shelf. I've or, seen him. Or vice versa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, 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 there's a lot of movies I hate that I think you absolutely ought to own. <laughs> there's a lot of movies yeah. he loves that he thinks are trash. It's, it's just the funniest thing. I will. He's a, he's uh, a man of mystery. He's just. I, I'm unpredictable. What can I yeah. say? The, the film takes over here contain multitudes. all righty well hey dalton tell us how um, they can tell um they can describe how the dear listener can can do an algorithm on my shelving or trashing or have other any other feedback (laughs) they'd like to have yeah if you if you want (laughs) to if you want to tell us the over under on dustin shelving versus trashing you can uh, reach us at good trash genre cast at gmail.com that's the name of the show you're listening to (laughs) at gmail.com you can also find us on twitter at good trash media although come on there's no reason to be on that website if you're not already on it it's it's a bad place to be they let nazis be on there can you believe that it's fucking crazy uh that's at good trash media though if you if you do want to see what we've got going on over there we're mostly just posting links to the show and sharing articles you know that kind of business uh finally if you want our very own arthur algorithm uh to pick out a movie for you you can go to patreon.com forward slash gtm his his reputation precedes him uh and uh, he he carries that uh, responsibility with uh, great fortitude and let me tell you uh, but anyway, that's patreon.com forward slash GTM. If you want to help us keep the lights on, you can also get on our, our, our little mailing list where the Arthur Tron sends you a survey and uh, he will pick out a movie for you quarterly and, and send it straight to you and give, give you a little new addition for the shelf. I won't even track your activity across apps. I will just do it blind. <laughs> that's how good Arthur is, friends. That yeah, is he, how good he is. He will not be sifting through your internet cookies. I am the Argo Rhythm. Speaking (laughs) of how good Arthur is, I would love to hear from him right now what film we're going to do next. Yes. In this anti or this trash trash marathon of science fiction. Trashy sci fi. Well, unintentionally, uh, we're going to carry this love of pulp yesteryear over into next week's pick uh, with the diesel punk cult classic, Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow. Yeah, I'm excited. This is gonna be fun. Yeah, I've wanted to. This this is yeah. I got a cult following. I've wanted to catch up with this for years. I remember this movie coming out and thinking, "Is this based on something? What what yeah. is this?" I just remember this this movie being so baffling to me when it was released. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to finally catching up with it. If you like Diesel Punk, if you like Art Deco, if you like The Rocketeer, you're going to love this. If you That's like Angelina Jolie. What yeah, well, well, there's also that Angelina uh, or Jude Law, eye- Ooh, or Jude Law, but Angelina with the eye patch, though. Come on, is a look. There is definitely a look. It's definitely a look. So there you go, dear listener. You keep watching with both eyes, and we'll see you all next time. You watch with whatever amount of eyes you want. Don't we listen are, to him. We are <laughs> not. However many you have. We are not ableist here at the Good Trash. <laughs> well, if you got three eyes, go right ahead and use all three. You're darn right. <laughs> I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid.